The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to week eight of our North American LCS Guess the Lines podcast. We have two more weeks before the playoffs begin. The road to the playoffs is very firmly in place. And last week, we had a much clearer idea of where some of these teams are going to shake up. We also got a very uh, muddied idea of where uh, teams like, say, FlyQuest are going to end up. So interesting trends and and flows that we've got to pay attention to. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather have break it down with me than my good friend and co-host, Walter C80's Fetchuck. Walter, how you doing, buddy? I've got just the biggest eating grin on my (laughs) face. Uh, I told y'all on the European podcast, you were going to get cocky. You were going to get arrogant. I I didn't put on the TSM shirt. I'm actually disappointed with myself that I, I didn't dig into the dresser and pull out the TSM shirt, but it's okay. The personality is here. The man, the myth, the legend. Walter Sadie's Bedchuck is in the house. And I'm probably going to smirk this entire episode. So you hate my face. Might as well just go listen to the audio version on our SoundCloud <laughs> at backslash esports rough grass podcast. I am a company man. Thank you kindly. I, I will say I think it's impressive how all it takes is a three-game you needed three games to beat Envious, and you were an Immortals Baron throw away first, from losing that first, one. No, first place. I'm Don't just, care. I'm we're just first saying. Place. First place, it, three of weeks, of the weeks. two weeks out. No, first place, two weeks out. First place, two weeks out. Uh, this would not be nope. the week I would have picked nope. first to week. be cocky. First, first, Phoenix One weeks. has a higher win rate per game right now. Don't than... really care who's first, who's at the top of the table. I can tell you right now because I'm looking at it on Esports Wiki. So, huh. uh, is that your CSM? <laughs> They're twelve and two. How weird is that? Phoenix water down at item five. Look at that. Who's first? TSM. I told you. I told you. But he did tell us, ladies and gentlemen at home. I, I I don't have a counter argument to that. Is does that mean that you're up for the week, Walter? It seems like you're very excited about it. Uh, more than I would be, but still, what what was they your up? up for the week? Because there was another team that I thought uh, I thought is also deserving of my praise. The team I picked to win the spring playoff finals, Team Dignitas. Yes. Finally, they're figuring it out. Finally, they aren't treating someday like the be all end all. That he's the only way they can win. Uh, Keen has been kind of. He's turned to Paige, maybe. Lot has been playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Chaser, 
It's been improving. X-Special hasn't been a complete and other uh, trash can at this point in his career. It seems like the uh, the trajectory of this team is is on an upward trend. When we just look at the last couple of weeks, uh, they lost against uh, they lost against Phoenix one in week six. They lost against TSM, but I felt those games were a little bit closer than the the, the final scoreline pegged it. And then they crushed CLG in just beautiful fashion. As, as a TSM fan, anytime I see CLG's hopes and dreams get crushed in that kind of manner, just it just warms my cold, dead heart. And then the Echo Fox series was a little little touchy, but overall, I'm very impressed with Dignitas. They are definitely showing me uh, that they are a strong contender for one of the last couple of playoff spots. So it'll be definitely be an la- interesting last couple of weeks from Team Dignitas' perspective. Yeah, uh, the numbers love Dignitas, for the record. In fact, they love Dignitas more than uh, anyone that you would currently have they're, they're about fifth in the LCS predict rankings when you just look at the pure win rate, uh, when you look when you compare it through the lens of the degree with which they're winning the uh, the gap of gold by percentages as they calculate things there. Uh, meanwhile, teams like FlyQuest are well below them, and we'll get to that later. I, I, I just think they've really stepped it up in terms of how they've diversified. Uh, their strategies. It seems like Chaser's starting to be a little bit more aggressive, which they desperately needed. Uh, it feels like, you know, uh, Keen is doing enough. I- I'm going to give you my up, Walter, and I'm going to make a case here. I think Arrow should be in the running for the MVP award. I, I think he's the, I think at, at a, as of this moment, he's probably the MVP. He should be. And, I, and it feels like people aren't necessarily recognizing that because he's an AD carry and lol AD carry in 2017, lol, lol, lol. I've heard the memes before. Here are the numbers. Uh, 5.7 KDA. That is 1.5 ahead of the next closest AD carry. And his first overall, any player in the LCS, arrows the top right now in terms of just efficiency from top to bottom. He's got a 70.2% kill participation. That's second among all AD carries. His 598 damage permitted is highest among AD carries and third highest overall. And in, in a meta in which AD carries are weak and mid laners are super strong and we've got, you know, bruiser tops and, and who knows what else, third highest of any player currently in the LCS. That's bonkers. Uh, 272.7 earned gold per minute. That is the top among 80 carries. There's nothing he's not doing. There's no stat in which Arrow is not either the best or the second best at his position. It's, it's just been absolutely bonkers, and it's made bringing in Stunt go from a risk to... Well, who cares? Because any support's going to be able to integrate with him just fine, yeah. which has been huge for Phoenix One. But every up has a down. I think I've hinted where mine is, Walter. Where where do you put your down for the week? I mean, it it it's it's got to be FlyQuest, right? Are you it, saying it, that a one in five record, uh, including a three and eleven map score over the last three weeks, is not a good score, Walter? Listen, I <laughs> the series against Phoenix One. Uh, game one. So, so think card. FlyQuest, hi. Whoever's doing your dress. The reason that Nautilus and, and Mordekaiser kind of worked for you guys previously is that you sort of used it as like a counter pick. 
You didn't like second pick and go, okay, here's our strategy, beat it. Like the second you pick Mordekaiser and Nautilus, and even though you went to Malachi support, eh? yeah, like eh? I I like the cheese. Like I kind of like Malachi support personally playing in like normals at like silver level. And Nautilus support would have made a lot stage. more sense there. It it just like it's so blatantly telegraphed, like. Okay, so you aren't going to have an AD carry. It's going to be four juggernauts. Like, we can play around this. This is, it was just so utterly telegraphed early on what they wanted to do. And then in game two, the Shaco pick, I just, again, it, so I, I forget who said it on Twitter, and I should have I written it down, but uh, I, it was Ryan Tang. Ryan Tang basically said, like, I think that FlyQuest is, is cheesing. Because they think that either everyone's already figured them out or they finally realize they aren't talented enough to match up against other teams. So they're just resorting to cheese. Right. And in their series against Immortals, they tried to play more standard and like normal stuff and it just didn't matter. And that's the problem is that we had Moon and we had High that were playing at such an exceptional level comparatively to where they were. But you've got like High on Victor? Why is High playing Victor? That's not roaming. That doesn't do anything for his strengths. That doesn't get him out on the map. That doesn't get him out doing things. Like that is such a late game champion for him to just sit in lane. You're you're neutering yourself. You're neutering your best player's greatest asset and greatest strength. It it's just mind-bogglingly stupid. Yeah. And in all honesty, I don't think Moon's play has dropped off. I think he's still playing at the same level that he was. But because High and the rest of the team's level has fallen around him, it's just making him look that much worse. I think the same thing of Acadian on Echo Fox is that Looper and Keith were kind of play, playing above their station and making him look really good and getting you know first bloods and all set up. But now that they've sort of tempered off, it's it's just not holding up kind of these star North American junglers. So I, it has to be FlyQuest. It, it absolutely has to be. Yeah, and and to to hit on your point. The high has really been the center of how FlyQuest have worked. He's a, he's the shot caller, yes, and we always talk about that. But we didn't talk about the fact that in the early part of the season, he was the guy that they were playing their offense through. That was where they looked to make plays. That was the lane for which Moon was ganking, and he had very nice stats as a result. And it's really stunning when you just think about, you know, at one point, he was a top three mid lane in terms of KDA, in terms of CS differential at 10 minutes, and in all of these... Different important stats. And at this point now, he has a 2.7 KDA. That is eighth among active mid laners. That's a problem. He has a negative 2.4 CS differential at 10 minutes. So he's gone from winning lane to losing it. And that could, you can blame things on the meta for that. That doesn't necessarily have to be a death knell for a team. But the problem is that it changes the way the rest of the map can play. Because now that attention isn't necessarily having to be drawn to the center of the map where High was previously going off and it was easy to, you know, open up plays and it drew enemy attention, now the side lanes can be picked on. And Balls and Alltech and Lemonation have not proven that they can hold up to that assault. Uh, they've done really well when they can snowball lanes because the map is opened up for them, but now the map's closed. And it, they're going to have to find a new way to open it, and it's not going to be Cheese. It's not going to be Shaco. It's going to be finding some either just an interesting pathing choice or coming up with, you know, some, you know, vision style of play, you know, roaming, you know, assassins are a thing right now. If they're not going to play to those strengths, then they're already seceding the game before it starts. And I think that's kind of what you're hitting on there. And it's, it's, 
it's frustrating to see. It's it's not unexpected. We said exactly this was going to happen when the season started. Uh, but I was kind of hoping I would be wrong because League is more fun when everyone figures it out. But, you know, Walter, I thought we'd figured things out when it came to our smart money bets. And we got Cloud9, uh, a CLG over Cloud9, I should say. And that was a nice one. That was plus 195. Felt great about that. But Envious didn't quite come through over Team Liquid. And our faith in FlyQuest was not rewarded. Dear Arrow, we are so sorry for underestimating you. It doesn't matter. TSM is in first place. It just doesn't <laughs> matter. TSM is in first place. At, at the end of the day, TSM uh, is at the top of the standings, and that means they are in first place above every other team in the North American LCS. So, okay, we went one or two. Who cares? TSM is in first place. My team is well, being successful. I would have pointed to the fact that we're still in the black in North America, but yeah, I suppose we can we can make this about you too. Black, <laughs> just like TSM's jerseys, they're black and white. <laughs> How fantastic is that? Oh First God, place, baby. this is we're we're going off rails fast, ladies and gentlemen. Let's start with Dignitas versus Team Liquid, the first series on Friday. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Feels like every series is a must-win for Team Liquid from this point forward. They they're right now. Currently, I, I believe they are uh, two games out of sixth place, three games out of uh, what currently is, I guess, tied for fourth uh, when you don't take individual game scores into account. Uh, but their individual game score is quite bad. So it would have to, they would not just have to do better than the teams above them. They would have to do better and either carry head-to-head -head performances or really get their average win rate uh, by map scores up. So it'd have to be convincing victories. And as you said, Dignitas is on the rise. They've been shoring these things up. So, Walter, what did you see from Liquid this week? And was it enough to say that they might be able to make this run uh, starting against Dignitas here? Well, the problem is they aren't going to make this run because they're playing against three of the top four teams uh, in the LCS. They are playing against Phoenix One, TSM, and FlyQuest over the remaining two weeks. That is an incredibly tough schedule, and I would agree that this is an absolutely must-win because Dignitas, up until the last couple of weeks, has looked you know extremely beatable. That they only had one win condition that it, you know you could match up against it. I will say that Team Liquid has actually looked really good in the early game, and I think that it just has to do with the sheer talent and the sheer laning prowess that Double Lift and I can't believe I'm going to freaking say this piglet have i actually think that moving piglet into the mid lane has turned out to be an incredibly intelligent foster decision because it allows him to use his greatest weakness and blah 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 he knows how to lane and he's been very successful he's been out dueling the other mid laners that he's been against in one-on-one -on -one situations and having some pretty pretty incredible like first blooding jensen and getting solo kills on Jensen is nothing to scoff at. Jensen right. is a very, very good player and a very well-calculated player. And while Piglet, it seems sort of untempered aggression, where he's like, I'm just going to go. He does. He goes like four and one, and then you get to moments where he needs to know how to team fight. And team fighting with a mid laner is so incredibly different than team fighting with an AD carry. Yes. Because not only are you up closer, especially on someone like Ryze, where you really do need to be in the thick of things and, and shotgunning, but with AD carries, and traditionally in Piglet's career, he's had some sort of lifesteal. 
You've always been able to build a vamp scepter into a bloodthirster. You've had warlords. You've had something that helps counteract the fact that you're going to take some damage. And because he's really good at microing and weaving in all of his auto attacks between abilities, he's able to maximize on that lifesteal. Mm-hmm. Mages don't have lifesteal. Spell vamp is is pathetic and really there's like one or two champions in the game that even remotely benefit from it and swain and vladimir so playing rise you don't have that type of sustain um and, and while i do think he's a good enough player to stack up and get those shield procs off the off the passive it's just not enough compared to what he's used to so i think that'll be the next step and that's really what team liquid needs to be focusing on they're not making the playoffs they, they need to just realize like yeah it's great for the fans like oh there's a chance there's a chance Come on, Steve. You already looked at your. You already looked at your remaining opponents and went Cloud Nine, Phoenix One, FlyQuest, and TSM. Well, if we win one of those games, it's still not enough for us to get to the playoffs. I still don't think it's enough for them to get out of relegation. So what they need to do is they need to use this time against exceptional team fighting teams to teach Piglet how to team fight as a mid laner, so that when they do end up in relegation, he is better equipped for those kind of fights because they're going to be a lot more hectic and not quite as organized as you know a TSM team fight is going to be. Yeah, I mean the one saving grace for uh, for I was about to say for Piglet for Team Liquid is that Echo Fox's schedule is not much easier. They play CLG, TSM, uh, FlyQuest, and then Envious, which is obviously the the easier road. But it's, you know, Envious is playing teams tough. They're not a guaranteed out the way that they were at the beginning of the season. It, it does feel like, at this point, uh, Piglet is, is doing enough in lane where... I, I, I feel like teams need to just stop underestimating him and stop trying to, to beat him that way because they're throwing junglers at him and he's handling tower dives very well. Piglet always has. But when you look at his actual laning numbers, right, he has a negative 6.4 CS differential at 10 minutes. Only Golden Glue was worse. It is literally the, the worst among active, uh, active mid laners in the LCS. The reason he's doing well, you know, which, to be fair... He's been going back more often because he's been getting ganked more often, so it's not necessarily wholly indicative. It's 11-game sample size. That doesn't say everything. But what it tells me is, maybe instead of throwing a whole bunch of bodies at the guy, play the lane straight up and see if he can beat you. Because a guy that's only been playing mid lane for a month should not be able to beat the top mid laners at their game. Like this, I, I feel like that whole setup said more about Cloud9 disrespecting Piglet and the way that Jensen you know, overextended and got very aggressive when trying to grab some kills more than anything else. And uh, Chase, who's the ultimate anti-carry mid laner? <laughs> who is the man that stunted Bjergsen? Who cheese-picked Bjergsen Zed on multiple occasions? It is our lord and savior, Keen! <laughs> Keen! Keen! You and Ryan Tang are going to have an amazing Keen fan club one day, and I can't wait to see how it turns out. Um, I, look, Keen's been doing well. I think Keen, like, if you look at the numbers, Keen and Piglet are actually right next to each other in terms of KDA, in terms of uh, of uh, damage per minute. They're, they're closer than you'd imagine. Uh, I, I think that it's really going to come down to whether... Uh, Dignitas understands which lanes they need to be attacking. Uh, if you put someday in an adva- advantageous situation against Lorlo, I think that's going to work out well for you. 
I think that if you're going to try to attack Adrian Doublelift, you're going to have some problems. And it is Adrian this week. That has been confirmed. And that's something that if you are a fan of, uh, of Team Liquid, you've got to be banking on and saying, well, once again, we're eliminating our worst player off the table, right? We've done that for three weeks in a row. First it was Golden Glue, then it was Young Bin. Now Matt's leaving the roster. At some point, getting rid of every terrible player theoretically should make things better. Of course, tell Origin that when they're playing Synchroft this week, so we'll see. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Well, you know, I don't know why I'd really care about any of these teams because neither of them wear the black and white of TSM. <laughs> uh, but I, I guess for the sake of this episode, I do need to have some sort of, of thought on this series. Yeah, you're stalling. <laughs> so I'm going to say Dignitas at minus 175. Uh, you get this one and what may be a recurring theme throughout this episode. I said Dignitas minus 185. It is Dignitas minus 164, which puts Team Liquid at plus 125. I, I want to hold on to that one. Just put that one in your back pocket. Just keep on to it. We're going to come back to that. Okay. Echo Fox versus CLG. How do we fix Echo Fox, Walter? Because... It seems like this is a team that has pieces that should work. It's got one clear flaw, giant glowing weak point. But can they play around it? Can they do anything to try to mitigate those problems? I mean, I I don't think so. I think Keen is just, he had a, a couple you mean Keith. of... Keith. Keith, not Keen. Keith, <laughs> yes, I'm still on Dignitas. Keith. <laughs> I, I think he had, has had, over the course of his career, a couple games where we go, oh, yeah, like, okay, I can see, I can see the talent there. But it, it just, it's, it's so far apart and it's so inconsistent that at this point you can't just, you can't deal with it. I get, I get you kind of want to have a low econ 80 carry that doesn't take up a whole lot of space because you have Froggen, now you have Acadian, you have Looper, who is always someone that you could just put, you know, 80% of your farm and gold into, throw them on Singed, and oh, ha, 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 ha. Um, I, it just, Keith is just so, so low econ. And so bad and just gets caught out all the time because he's like, well, I need to get this one tiny little piece of gold here because everything else is being swallowed up by my solo laners. And it just puts him in really awkward spots. And Gates warding isn't great, but I just I don't think Gates really the problem. He's actually a pretty good roamer. He's pretty good at making plays. He has kind of Kiwi Kid syndrome <laughs> where it's not always right but he makes a play he's always willing to try and make a play and sometimes it backfires and you go oh gate but there are way more oh keith moments than anything else and right i i think when you go into this off season if echo fox wants to be anything more than just like yeah we're the seventh best team in north america and we aren't getting relegated they really need to upgrade this ad carry position i think mash me could be like a perfect fit for this roster I think Mashmi would be perfect. Yeah, I mean, Mashmi works. I would go get Apollo or Laud if you could find yeah. a way to sign them away. Like, I, I, like that's, yeah. the st- that's the guy that you want. That It's that kind of player. And Keith technically fills that role. But when you're posting an 8, 29, and 35 scoreline 
over the course of a weekend. What are you doing for your team? How is that helping you achieve anything resembling a win condition? And that includes a game that they won. Like, it's not like I just picked four losses in a row in which he was able to get any stats. Like, even the okay games are not good anymore. It's a problem. At at some point, your AD carry has to be more than just press R. Yes. At at some point, the meta is going to shift away from Ash and Sivir and Jin and Varus and, like, Caitlyn. Like, at some point... It's going to go to Lucian. It's going to go to more carry dominant, you know, lethality, Triforce, Blade of the Rune King style, 80 carries. And Keith is the last guy on the planet you want to be doing that. Like, if he could just play Ash every single game for the rest of his career, it still wouldn't save his career. And now you want to put him on something that's intent, like super intensive, super aggressive, where he's got to be making a lot of split second uh, movements and decisions. It's just. If Echo Fox truly wants to be more than just a, we're a team in the North American LCS, they got to make this move. Uh, to who? I'm not so sure. Even Mash Me could put you in that type of situation where you're like, do you play anything other than Sivir? And he's going to be like, nope. And you're like, okay, great. I, I mean, when, when I can say realistically that Yarnin might be an upgrade, you have problems in your AD carry position. I think that's, we're getting there. If we're not there yet, we're getting there. And that's something that, that's look, probably true. don't fuel up Echo Fox 1 quite as often and instead put that money towards an AD carry. That's that's my strategy to Rick Fox. Free advice, you can take it or leave it. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Um, I have CLG at minus 275. Okay, you're going to get this one. Hey! I said CLG minus 320 because I'm very low on Echo Fox currently. It is CLG minus 256, which is Echo Fox at plus 190. Feels a little low to me. Not in, you know, I, I, I think it's it's fine. I just feel like, like, I'm going to look up real quick. CLG getting the 2-0 is plus 125. I don't see a 2-0. I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, I guess you, your your concern with that bet is that Acadian pops off and has one crazy game. Or that Acadian Frogman pops off and is able to get... Like, I just think about Froggen versus Huey. That's fair. Or, and, like, Looper versus uh, Darshan at this point. Like, I, I just... Darshan's playing better, but he's playing better on tanks, which I guess is really what CLG needs because now Stix A is starting to break back out of his shell. They're starting to kind of unleash him because he can play more than just Ash and isn't just a... Uh, a CC bot. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, I just, X Smithy hasn't been doing a whole lot. I think Acadian's just going to have his run of the map. And you're telling me that they're going to hold him down for two games? I just, I, I don't see that happening. If it is a 2 0, it's going to be like a really close 2 0. One of the games are going to be super, super close, and it's going to come down to one final team fight, which I guess is the name of CLG's book on strategy is one more team fight. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, uh, the one more team fight a CLG story will be on bookshelves soon. But we're gonna we're gonna move forward. Cloud Nine versus Immortals. I gotta be honest, Walter. I, I know you wanted to rub in this whole you know Immortals losing this TSM thing, but I feel pretty good about my team right now. I pointed out the the numbers are are actually quite nice for Immortals as well. Weirdly enough, like both you know if you look at. Yeah, I, after taking a full point off on my NA Power Rankings article, which will be on LCS Predict, if not at the time this is live, within 
24 hours of it being live. And even after taking an entire point off to punish them for everything they did wrong in week six and the difficulty of the schedule ahead, they're still better than half of the teams in this league. So am I, am I right to be excited by them, Walter? Am I being sucked in by the fact that when they lose, it's at least close? Like, where do you stand on them right now? Much like their juggler, they are incredibly Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That, that is the best. Because this team goes as Dardot goes. Poe Belter has been awful. All split. There's not been a single moment where I'm... Where, this feels like Poe Belter of old. This feels like Poe Belter pre-CLG, the, the, the winner Fox Poe Belter, where there's all this potential, where we're all waiting for him to break out, and it's just not happening. Right. The same thing happened in the bot lane. I know I was super high on Cody Sun. I really wanted him for TSM. I thought he was going to be exceptional. And while he hasn't been awful, he's, he's been, been good. He's been like the fifth best AD carry in North America. He's been the middle of the pack. Well, and, and to be clear, real quick, he's middle of the pack now on average for the whole year, which yeah. means that given that he was the worst... Yes. He's been playing well above average for consistently yeah, for a few weeks. He's yeah. he's probably in he's probably number four on my list of eighty carries right now from a pure stat line perspective and what he gives the team and the consistency there. It's fair. Um but like when I look at Flame and I look at the ways that Immortals wins, mm-hmm. it feels very H2K-ish. It feels very Yankos has to go off. Dardak has to go off. He then has to transition his gold lead. And as I think Quickshot or Deficio said on the EU broadcast when I was watching VODs, he, I like when they move the gold lead around the map. I like when the jungler has a gold advantage because then he gets to move that around the map. Mm-hmm. And when he is able to move it around the map, 80% of the time he goes to Flame and goes, all right, Flame, let's, let's get you ahead now because you're a legacy top laner and you're actually pretty good at your job and I don't have to rely on Pobelter or Ole to carry me and herp, 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 let's go kill the top laner. Right. Uh, which, is, which is a total reasonable strategy. Uh, I'd be much higher on this team if Pobelter and Ole weren't bottom three players at their position. That's fair. Which you guys did. You guys played it very well. Like, I, I'll come off my TSM high horse for a second. Don't worry, I'll be right back there. <laughs> they did. They played exceptionally well. And if it wasn't for the fact that I came home from work and turned on the game right when they tried to go for Baron and they threw the game at Baron and TSM then spanked the hell out of them for the rest of that series, they probably would have 2 0 TSM and I wouldn't be high on TSM. And I'd be going, Immortals might be an outside top four here. Yeah. But no, that didn't happen. They did throw that Baron fight, and TSM is the number one seed in North America right now. Thank you very much. Right. And I, and I do think you, you hit on something there, which is that it's not, you know, there's, there's kind of a tendency in those either-or games to say, well, you know, they're really just one play away, so we shouldn't judge them quite as harshly. But in this situation, I, I think the judgment is fair because it wasn't just that they lost a game that was very winnable. It's the way that they lost. And it's the same way that they always lose that game too when they get reverse swept, which has now happened five times this season where they win game one and then get reverse swept through games two and three. Game one is a great win for them. Game two is an either or where they blow it towards the end and then game three is a stomp in the other direction. And... And it comes down to Dardock, as you said. He the the Jekyll and the Hyde is is to me it's it's about him being able to stay focused and mentally in the game with his teammates. It feels like he checks out 
as soon as he believes that the game isn't winnable anymore. And you can't afford that if you're going to actually try to make a run towards being a legitimate playoff contender. The, their schedule gets hard from here. This is not an easy path at this point due to the hole they dug themselves into in week six. But, you know, this is their chance against Cloud9. Every if, if they can take TSM to three games and, you know, almost come close to a 2-0, maybe they can do it here. Where do you think the line is, Walter? You're going to make me wait for my C9 point till the end, are you? I am. <laughs> I have Cloud9 at minus 300, you heartless Yeah, jerk. You get that one. Look, oh, you're, look that. you're kicking my look ass up that. and down the ranking, so I have to look at least torture you that. a little bit. Look at that. Yeah, I'm just a guy from Georgia. Don't worry, Cloud9 fans. <laughs> I have something for you later. And it's not that you're the second place team in North America, but I'm going to dig that in now. Okay. I said uh, I said Cloud9 minus 240. I thought Immortals deserved more credit after last week. Uh, the casinos disagree. It's Cloud9 minus 294, so you got it almost exactly. That's put its Immortals at plus 210, which I would consider. Seems like a decent amount of value for a team that, as we said, was one Baron throw away from, from beating TSM. Plus 210 is, is pretty nice odds for that. We'll come back to it. Not convinced yet, but we'll come back to it. Envious versus Dignitas. Since I'm going to give you all the time on, on Cloud9 later, uh, is there anything you want to say about Envious? Um, they are a League of Legends team in the North <laughs> LCS, and I haven't pinned down whether they're going to be relegated or not. I haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure it out, but it's just like, Again, it's just so back and forth. Like they're they're a really good team, but I'm still not sold on Seraph and Ninja. Lyra's fantastic. Lyra's awesome. But like Seraph and Ninja, I'm still like, are are you actually are you good? Are you not good? I'm I'm kind of ping ponging back and forth here. Yeah. I don't know. I I I won't know until I see the relegation tournament. At this point. It turns out that a lack of any and all macro strategy can sometimes be a bad thing. And uh, that's kind of their problem right now. Cause not knowing how to win is usually a hindrance to winning a game. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree with that, that factual statement. Oh, boy. Uh, Ninja just needs to keep playing Chase. It's the one champion on which he's looked consistently good. Let's make that a, make that a thing, Envious. Uh, where do you think the line should be against Dignitas here? I have Dignitas at minus 250. Okay, let me do some quick maths here in my head. Oh, you're a jerk. You beat me by a whole four points, you monster. Because I said Dignitas minus 400. It is Dignitas minus 323. You know, I said heading into this podcast that this was going to be a bad week for me. I did not realize it was going to be that brutal. This is not going well. Envious at plus 230. That's also not going to go well. Don't do that. You know, you know why you're getting slacked like this. It's because Rockout went two zero. <laughs> this is karma getting back at you. They, they had to give you. They had to give you Rockout, so they gotta take away something else you love. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't enough to have me lose yesterday, too. Then, huh? Is that how this works nowadays? Yeah, that's exactly how this works. Oh god! Because TSM is in first, and their favorite fan needs to be in first too. I've I've never felt more like just a guy from Georgia than I do right now. TSM versus FlyQuest. <laughs> We, we've talked enough about FlyQuest. <laughs> TSM. I mean, 
what more do you have to say? I get this is your moment. I'm giving it to you now because we I want to breeze through the their line next their next line. I'm gonna give this moment to Wild Turtle because you know what? In the victories, you looked good. You looked you looked you looked plucky. You looked like that uh, you looked like that horse where you're at the track. You've been looking out there, and you're like, oh, I don't like, I don't like the front runner. It's just, I, I don't know, something feels weird about him. And there's that one horse that's about halfway down the lines, and it's got some name like, I don't know, Flower Garden or or or, or Joy Luck or like something really like corny. Right. And you're just kind of looking at it, and you're like, I don't, I, I got a feeling. I just got a feeling about this one. And the first race, he takes second, and you're like, All right, like I get it. I get it. And you come back a couple weeks later. Oh, he's up there. He's up there. All right. Well, he took second last time. He's against, you know, some lesser competition. I think, all right, I'll take it again. Fourth. Okay. You come back. Uh, all right. It, it, this has got to be his time. Come on. He's like the first race. Like, it's got to be terrible competition. Sixth. And then you come back and you're like, nope, I'm not gambling on him. I'm not. You gamble on some other race. You gamble on some other horse that, that has a really cool name, like know, Rolling Thunder or you know, nice Black Mare. Just like, oh, that's a good horse. Mm-hmm. And you're watching that first race, and there's Joy Luck, and you're like, man, I, I, I thought I thought I knew you. And he's coming around that last bend, and he's in fourth. And you're just like, and then you just see him, and there's that extra kick in his step. It's almost like he knows this is the last race. He got he gets that extra, and you see that jockey's like, I I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. He's getting down low. He's like, I'm not. I'm not, you do it, horse. And just it's a nose nose finish, and Joy Luck wins by like just the tiny bit of its you know, tiny bit of its nose, and then Rolling Thunder like breaks its ankle halfway down, and you're like, damn it, I should have gambled on Joy Luck. And the next time you go, you gamble on Joy Luck, and Joy Luck breaks its knee, and it's all over for his career. So I hope you enjoyed a really good week, Wild Turtle. Uh, I am expecting you to fall apart next week and uh, and somehow cost us this series against FlyQuest. I, I think it says a lot that your go-to analogy for your team is about a horse you know, coming through in the clutch and finally winning a big race. And the analogy for my team was about a dying dog. I think there's never been a more stark... Joy Luck called Reggie into the training room and was like, yo, Reggie, what do I got to do to win this race? And Reggie's like, listen, I've been really hands-off lately, guys. I apologize for that. I've been doing business stuff. I, I shouldn't do that. This is my heart and soul. I want to see you guys succeed. Does that sound like a Reginald speech? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's the exact same speech from episode five of TSM Legends, which I called on this very podcast before they 2 owed and went beat FlyQuest and beat Cloud9. And the, I am a soothsayer. I mean, and the best part of that is that could have been episode five from any year of that show. That's just what they do. It's the TSM strategy. I'm just tired of, of pretending like it's not a thing. And they're going to play FlyQuest this week. Uh, FlyQuest are on the, going the exact opposite direction. It, it feels like this could be a statement game for TSM. Where do you this, think the line is, Walter? This could absolutely be the, the let us shut the barn door. Just so you guys know. TSM is undefeated in series since their loss to Echo Fox. They beat Cloud9. They beat Echo Fox. They beat CLG. They beat Dignitas. They beat Envious. And then they finally beat Immortals. They've lost four maps uh, during that entire time frame. 
I've got TSM as the favorites like they should be since they're the number one team in North America. TSM minus 333. Okay. You get this one. So I'm over five. I'm in danger of losing. Uh, I don't want to be well, on 10. That. That's my only concern at this point. I said TSM minus 240. I, I don't know why. I guess if I had to make a if I had to make an educated guess, my theory was that maybe they were still going to hold on to FlyQuest because FlyQuest is still in fourth, and you know sometimes they're they're slow to pick up on on some of these ebbs and flows. Not in this case. It is TSM minus 370, uh, FlyQuest plus 260. I wouldn't touch that in the slightest. I just I do not have faith in the current iteration of FlyQuest until they prove they can win a map against a team without having to resort to cheese. So I just I just want to say this uh, in that same time frame that TSM has gone six and zero, FlyQuest has won one series. Yeah, one, one in one five in series, three and eleven in individual maps. It's not like they're losing and it's close. And and, it's and been they, they needed three games against Envious. So yeah, uh, yeah. it's just, really it's really bad, yeah. really bad. Where uh, let's move on. Liquid versus Phoenix One. This has got to be the bot lane matchup that everyone was looking forward to when the the Liquid move was announced. Uh, now you have Phoenix One and an Arrow getting revenge on his former support, and you've got Double Lift versus Arrow. That's got to be fun, right? Where how do you see that matchup playing out, and is that the thing that decides this series? No. Team Liquid's inability to team fight is what's going to decide this series. <laughs> I, I mean, it, that's the problem. Is like Team Liquid has built up massive leads in the early game. They've had really strong showings. Their, their path to victory is that of TSM from last year, which is just win lane. Win the laning phase and then have such a lead that, you know, you get into team fighting and it almost doesn't matter that you aren't, you know, might not necessarily be the cleanest of team fighting teams. But against Phoenix One, I just don't see that happening. I see Arrow can hold his own against Double Lift. That'll probably be a farm lane. I don't see that to be very kill heavy, and it'll allow Adrian and Stunt to really get out on the map and, and roam around. And I just trust, I trust Inori and Stunt and Ryu a little bit more than I trust Adrian. You know, playing for a week with Rainover and Piglet, and Piglet still being on a new position. And then you, that's not even talking about the top lane. Zig is way better than Lorelo at this point. Yes. Like, enormously better. And they can do either. They can put Zig on a tank and try and bait out a carry champion from Lorelo and just have a Nori camp top. Or they can do the opposite and just have Zig play a tank champion against a Lorelo carry or a Lorelo tank and not really worry about it. Zig has proven himself uh, to be a really strong top laner and... and I mean, I didn't think he was great in the summer, but I didn't think he was terrible. He's definitely stepped up this year in uh, a way I think that was similar to Hauntzer when Hauntzer played for Gravity after after the Curse Academy swap. So I, I just, maybe they win a game, but again, it all comes down to you have to win a best of three, and I just don't see Team Liquid beating Phoenix one twice. Yeah, I, I am going to disagree with you on the Zig point, mostly because I, I think he still has some pretty clear problems. He has a negative 4.8 CS differential at 10 minutes, which is the second worst laning phase of any top laner in North America. Uh, that's a problem. I, I think that's a genuine concern. His death percentage for his team, he is responsible right now for 21% of his team's deaths. Only Seraph and Ray have, are responsible for a higher percentage of their team's deaths. So... 
theoretically, that could just mean that the rest of Phoenix One isn't dying all that much. It's not like his death numbers are obscenely high compared to some of these other guys. It's just, it's not as sharp as it could be. And I, I think that that's not necessarily where I'd look for the advantage. I think the big advantage is in the mid lane. I think that Ryu, you would imagine, would be able to be, be, be prepared for anything Piglet's going to throw at him. And, and Ryu certainly is someone who I, I trust in this meta quite a bit. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Well, that siren you're hearing is <laughs> Team Liquid's playoff chances going down the drain. And I think we are going to witness a murder of Piglet's mid-career at the hands of Ryu. Maybe we'll get a Piglet face. Maybe we'll get a Piglet face. <laughs> that would be absolutely fantastic. I have Phoenix 1 at minus 300. Okay, you get this one with of the week. Like I said, I'm just hoping to not get blanked at this point. I was I was very off. I'm not usually this off, but this week just befuddled me for whatever reason. I said Who's Phoenix number one. one? Well, Who's number one now? Te technically, we're tied. We're eight and eight, so technically neither of us. But uh, but yeah, I I said Phoenix one minus two fifty because I figured like, oh well we're probably going to adjust to the fact that Adrian's coming in and make the line shorter than anticipated. Uh, the actual line, uh, Phoenix 1 minus 455. That's Team Liquid a plus 310. So now I'm going to come back to that point I brought up earlier. Why is Dignitas only minus 164 and Phoenix 1 is minus 455? Those teams are not that far off from each other. Like, Phoenix 1 is a better team, don't get me wrong. But they're not almost 300 points better. Like, if Phoenix 1 was minus 280 over Dignitas, we'd think that was insane. Like that's it's weird to me. That doesn't add up. I I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's actually like really a high line. Yeah, it's that's really, really high. You want what is Team Liquid end up being? Uh, Team Liquid is plus three ten. Yeah, I mean, and that is just as a spoiler. Class. That's the highest line for the week. So oh. they really believe that. Uh, Actually, hold on. There's there's one more. I apologize. Okay. I missed one line. I was going to say, what? <laughs> My bad. Second highest line of the week. Oh, well, then you're probably going to get a point off of me at some point. That's, I mean, hashtag the dream. But <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. TSM versus Echo Fox. I don't think we have anything to add on either of these teams. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have TSM at minus 666. Okay, I get one. Finally, there it is. You went too high. I said TSM minus 600. TSM minus 455. Echo Fox plus 300. So same line for the favorite as the Phoenix 1 game, but they gave more value to Team Liquid than they did to Echo Fox. That's weird to me. That is a very weird sequence of lines. It is kind of unusual. I, not, not that that I, makes me want to take Team Liquid to the slightest. I just, it's weird to me. They're begging you to take Liquid with that line. Yeah, uh, no thank you. Yeah, no. Thank you. Well, uh, let's keep going. Phoenix 1 versus Immortals. What's the difference maker in this game, Walter? Because this is a game, again, every win for Immortals is basically a must win. Meanwhile, Phoenix 1 really wants to wrap up the three seed. I don't think you want to be the four seed and having to play a CLG or a Dignitas or if FlyQuest turns things around, a good version of FlyQuest. I think you're much happier in the sixth spot and facing whichever one of those teams slides out. So what's going to be the difference maker? What determines which team comes out on top? This, this is, it's Dardoch versus Inori. 
I think Inori has the same kind of Jekyll and Hyde mentality that Dardock has, that when he's good, he's really good. Mm-hmm. When he's off, he's really off. And hopefully whatever uh, whatever internal issues the team was having have been solved with AJ leaving. Hopefully Inori is getting uh, his confidence back up. Uh, listen, you know, I'm not... I'm not all that surprised that Medios played a large portion of this uh, of last week. Um, they want to phase Inori back in, especially if he has a confidence issue. This, he doesn't seem like a guy like a Jason Terrier or Jamal Crawford or a Dion Waiters where he's like, I don't care that I missed my last 100 shots. I'm going to take 100 more and maybe, right. I'll, maybe I'll get hot. Inori does seem like a player that is going to get down on himself. And he's still young, like competitively. He's still a pretty young player. He's played just about a full split at this point. And, you know, I still think he has breakout potential. I still think he can be a fantastic jungler, but it's going to be getting that mindset in check and mindset in place. And I don't think Dardock really has that issue. I know we think that it's, oh, he checks out of the game or whatever, and we've seen it from breaking point. Um, I just think he makes some dumb decisions sometimes. And I think that tilts him, but it only tilts him in that moment. And Inori, it seems like it tilts him for... A whole series that if he has a really bad game one or a really mediocre end to a game one he comes out in the second game kind of flat and i don't see that same flatness with dardock like if he has a game where he gets caught out in the first 15 minutes yeah the game is still going to be rough for him but game two it's almost like game one never happened and he's back to his old self back to being really aggressive back to getting in their face right. you know being very confident in his ganks I want to say it's Arrow can take advantage of Cody Sung, but Immortal's win condition is get, you know, Dardock gets rolling and it's going to be up to Inori or Medios if Phoenix One is still kind of wary of letting Inori take the full reign um, to really shut Dardock down and, and prevent him from carrying that gold advantage all over the map. Mm-hmm. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, it really does. When you have two junglers that are such integral parts of getting the team going and getting these snowballs started, and they are both temperamental, that's the word I'm going to use, I mean, it, it creates a very clear strategy for the opposing team, right? Counter jungle the hell out of the other team and make and see if you can tilt them. You know, that, you know, especially if they're, you know, shot callers, which I, I think then maybe is not so much true for Phoenix One, but uh, Dardock certainly does some of that for Immortals. That's a problem. That's uh, that's a thing that you can really mess with, and it can shut a whole team down. That was the problem with Seraph last year, right? Is that, you know, shot calling under pressure is very difficult for certain types of players to do. And I, I, I think that if you're Immortals, you just have to come at Inori early and often and just try to throw his confidence and force them to put in Meteos or, or something of the like, because that would just change the dynamic of the series in a way that I think would benefit them, but... Phoenix One just has so many tools, especially on a roaming Ryu meta, uh, to, to try to shut that down and limit the damage that could be done. It's going to be a very interesting series. Where do you think the line is, Walter? I have Phoenix One at minus 200. Okay, you get this one. I said minus 180. It is Phoenix One minus 227. Immortals at plus 170. And I think there's some value on that. I think, I think it's a winnable series for Immortals. 
And I, I it just I, the, the concern is that we it would win game one and I'd feel good about it. And then some throw would happen in game what, two. And it what, is, what is three maps on that one? Three maps for it. Immortals versus Close. Phoenix one is a number that is <laughs> God, the ad got in my way. Uh, it is plus 105 for three maps. Not really good value, no. but that's definitely way more likely than I think Immortals winning that series. That's fair. I will come back to it. I, I think it depends on whether we have a long shot pick elsewhere, whether I'm willing to take that risk. Mm-hmm. But uh, CLG versus FlyQuest. We didn't talk very much about CLG. Are they for real? Like, which version of... Like, there's this kind of narrative where it's like, oh, CLG is one team one day and another team the next. I, is that... May, are we kind of taking a shortcut there when we use that kind of analysis? Is that a fair assessment? Where do you stand on CLG? I don't think that it's... Nece- I don't think they're a different team from day to day. I just think they play better against better competition. Mm-hmm. I think they play up to their competition. This is a very famous issue that uh, Syracuse basketball has had forever. Mm-hmm. Where when we play really bad teams, we look pretty awful because we play down to our competition, we don't try as hard. Um that's, you know, one of those things that can happen when a player doesn't feel like their position is on the line, which CLG is stuck with a majority of these players for a long time at this point they didn't come in you know they went through the entire off season after you know kind of failing at worlds and said no you know we like this core we want to keep this together they did the whole clg black thing but they didn't make it into challenger series you don't really hear anything about the black team other than they're going to europe and they're going to boot camp in europe but you don't ever say like oh yeah tuesday you know there's been no rumors that oh yeah tuesday you know has scrimmed a couple times with the main roster they've you know done some mixing and matching this definitely feels like there's a complacency issue among the team when they're playing against bad comp when they play against perceived bad competition that's why you see them kind of just get shell-shocked by dignitas they're like oh dignitas isn't that very good and then all of a sudden wham they get blindsided and when that happens then all those players are popped out of this complacency of like oh crap we just lost dignitas like that's not good like we might not make the playoffs now like dignitas is a team that could kick us out of our playoff spot and then they come out the next night and go well cod nine are the big dogs on campus like we take them out like we're everything copacetic again everybody would be like oh okay never mind let's not worry about clg like again it's a we could be lazy and call it a dr jekyll and mr hyde type situation i just think it's a, a complacency issue that they aren't really being pushed and that's okay until they get to the playoffs and if they still have this this kind of laziness to them, this lackadaisical attitude, it's going to punish them in the playoffs because I guarantee you there are hungrier players, if not hungrier teams, that are going to be in those series that are just going to roll over a team that's kind of like, eh, whatever. So I would really like to see CLG get uh, get their teeth back, which is really what I think they've been missing since their spring run is, is a sort of viciousness to them and an aggressiveness um, not in the early game, but just in general of like, no, we want this. We're tired of being the laughing stock of the league. We're tired of everyone talking about TSM and Cloud9. Like, we were the first North American team. Right. Let's not forget, this is the team, this is the organization, Chicks Danilo, that eventually turned into CLG, that went 
to WCG 2010 and won for North America. Right. Hotshot was the original team owner. He was the original guy, and he made that gutsy decision in Season 2, which basically lost him North America, where he set CLG NA and CLG EU to Korea to compete in champions while Reggie stayed home and gave us YouTube videos of Odd One going to eat Subway. And uh, one of those moves worked out. One of them didn't, and CLG has been playing catch-up ever since and until they won those two championships they were they were you know sort of like eh they're you know they're not as good as tsm they're not as good as cloud nine they're they're sitting in the background they need to have that moment again where they have a chip on their shoulder a nobody believes in us moment and i think against FlyQuest, they could have another one of those moments like they did against cloud nine yeah no this is certainly a, a great opportunity for them i think it's an opportunity for both them and FlyQuest, for that matter. Both of these teams need to have some some teeth in their bite. You know, if you're if you're going to assert that you deserve the four seed and you want to have blue side advantage because blue side advantage has been absolutely insane ever since we went to ten bands, you're really gonna want to have side selection, guys. You've got to step up, and this could be the fight for the four seed. If FlyQuest and, and CLG keep pace with each other moving forward, this would be the deciding match. Uh, it's probably my match of the week, just in terms of the uh, the, the stakes, the, the stakes for both sides, and yeah. uh, the closeness of the teams. I, I think it really could go either way, depending on which you know which version of them shows up, which team. Yeah wants you know is willing to fall back on those intangibles and bring out the best in themselves and which team prepped for that uh it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting where do you think the line is walter clg minus 175 oh thank god this is the one i got almost exactly and had you nailed it i would have been a very sad panda i said clg minus 190 it is clg minus 185 which puts FlyQuest at plus 140 In case you're curious, CLG getting a 2-0 is plus 165. No. No? Okay. No. That's fine. Nope. Fine. I, I just had to bring it up. I, I would nope. feel bad if I didn't mention it. Okay. This this reeks this reeks of a fly quest win to me. They're gonna get beat up by TSM again. And then this is gonna be their enough is a freaking enough. Yeah. It kind of is gonna be. It's hard to imagine a FlyQuest 02 week and a CLG 20 week, right? Yeah. Which would essentially, like, if we think CLG is going to beat Ekavox, and we do, we think FlyQuest is going to lose to TSM. Stop stalling! Let me get to Cloud9! Okay, fine! Do the Cloud9 thing! They're playing Envious, not that anyone here cares. Let's listen to Cloud9 rant. Walter, go ahead. Listen. Back in the preseason, yes. I uttered a phrase that people did not appreciate. It was that I thought that Jensen and Sneaky's careers have stagnated, that they have plateaued, that it is going to be very, very incremental growth from here on out, that I did not think they had an extra gear or could take the next step uh, to really push this team in, into the stratosphere and really into world's contention. Now, Impact has. I have the stats in front of me, and Impact has, again taken another step forward uh despite the fact that he's lost some playing time to ray which cloud nine is very serious about getting him some experience and in my belief uh i think they think he's the top laner for them of the future and points towards impact probably retiring um soon yeah probably probably summertime mm -hmm. uh if i if i would hazard a guess um that being said 
looking at the statistics, Jensen and Sneaky have not shown any markable improvement. Uh, anything that can be explained away by the fact that we are 39 games, 39 maps into the season for them uh, as of this season, and they played 44 total games in the regular season of summer. Uh, just some quick stats. Jensen had a 5.0 KDA this spring. Uh, this spring. In the summer, it was 4.8. Slight improvement, but his kill participation is down to percentage points. His CS per minute is up uh, by two-tenths of a point, but his CS per 15, which means the CS afterwards, is down. His damage per minute is down. His overall damage percentage for his team is down. Some of these things can be pointed towards, oh, well, they're less reliant on Jensen. The fact that Impact is playing better, the fact that Ray can then come in as a secondary carry uh, when he comes in, it doesn't nullify any of the points that Jensen hasn't gotten better. And that was my argument in the previews, was that I don't think Jensen or Sneaky are going to get better. And the big crux of their entire market improvement had to be the jungler. And Contracts played great at the beginning of the split, but he's now hit that kind of rookie mid-season wall where teams are starting to figure him out. Teams are starting to figure out his jungle pass. The champions are not quite sitting right again with him. We're now shifting more back into intelligent play rather than just like ruthless assassin go kill people play. Now there has to be some intelligent decision making and that was what I was worried about when he left the OZ comforting confines of shot caller high is now those crisp, clean plays that we did see out of Cloud9 Challenger in the relegation tournament, even prior to that, it's pointing me towards it was high calling those plays, not contracts making these blind decisions. And the fact that we saw Moon making those similar types of plays earlier on, and even now, again, points me towards high was really the puppet master guiding contracts along. Uh, Honestly, I'm still scared of Cloud9 if I'm a TSM fan in the finals. Um, I'm not writing them off and saying, oh, they're going to be an easy victory. I think this is still a very tough team to beat. But I am standing by my statement from the preseason, from the previews, that this team, while they're going to be a top three team in North America because they pretty much retained everything and they upgraded their jungle position, I don't think that the lack of improvement that Jensen and Sneaky are exhibiting I think that's a hindrance, and I don't think they can do anything on an international level. And I think that TSM, once they bring Double Lift back in the summer, are just going to retain that crown, and we're going to see another run like they had last summer. Yeah, it, it's tough because I, I think that when you look at Cloud9, it's hard to point to a clear place where they can just improve. Uh, you know, it's not like there's some other mid laner that's, you know, is just waiting to replace Jensen or that there's some AD carry that's going to be this hot shot up and comer uh, that's going to come behind Sneaky. But what Cloud9 needs to be doing is exactly what they're doing with Ray, which is getting young guys meaningful reps within the Cloud9 system. And you can say that's what they were trying to do with Cloud9 Challenger, and I'll laugh at that explanation. Um, this is, you know, what they're doing with Ray is much closer to what you would want as far as developing talent. And certainly Cloud9 has the infrastructure to do it. But there, they, there definitely needs to be 
some adjustment on, the, on that regard. And there definitely needs to be some improvements to the way they're handling the early game. They've got a 48.3 early game rating right now. They're 24 and 10. How do you have a below 50% early game rating when you're 24 and 10? You should have accidentally stumbled into at least an average early game score. Like, is that like, and this is where, you know, you could say like, is it a positioning thing? Is it a shot calling thing? Is it a, you know, the type of comps that they're drafting that they're just not getting something that other teams are? I don't know, but I do know that Envious shouldn't have a better early game rating than you. And to be fair, they have a better early game rating than TSM too. So take that with some. Lear's some really good, man. Lear's Lear really good. Really good. But it's really like good. at least 50%, right? I don't think that's asking for a lot. I, I feel like, you know, when you look at things like their their first blood rate, 44%, that should be better. First tower rate, 44%, that should be better. Uh, you look at dragon percentage, 52%, that should be better. How is it 52%? You're 24 and 10. Like, how are you not prioritizing these important objectives? And And this is why, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, whether you want to argue that it's because... They're, uh, the, you know, the individuals aren't improving at the same rate that they were, or you want to say that the macro play is, has dropped off. And I think there are a lot of stats that point to the latter for sure. If the former, you know, if, if they're not taking that huge mechanical step forward, then the macro stuff is all they can do to improve. And they're not improving. They're winning games despite that, because the rest of the region is not caught up to where they were last year. If cloud nine is even, Everyone outside of TSM and maybe Phoenix One is still not to last year's Cloud9 level. And that is something that Cloud9 fans should be able to look at this and say, you know what, we're not getting worse. We're still as good as we were last year. And, and maybe that's enough for the spring split is just having that consistency, having your baseline and establishing what that floor is and then trying to to reach a ceiling next split when you've given Ray more time, when you can try different things in that regard. Maybe there's some player that they're expecting to be available in free agency in the summer that they can train up the way that they're training up Ray now. Go count on it. I mean, yeah, the, the, there are a whole bunch of maybes and what ifs and, and all of that. Right now, what we're seeing is a team that is mechanically talented that is getting away with a lot of things as a result. A lot of factors that should not be the case consistently come up. And at some point, I just got tired. I get tired of asking the question, why is this so low? Why is this so behind? Why aren't they where they need to be, where they should be, where a team with their record should be? They need more than just being talented guys. They're very talented. Staying where they were as a talent level last year, t some teams would kill for where they are right now in that regard. But, I mean, as we've said since the very beginning, you have to aspire for more than that. And it feels like... It feels like their shot calling and their decision making and the, and the way that they're playing out a lot of these early game and, and jungle control and all of these things is not stepping up to the level of play that they already established. And that needs to catch up if they're going to be great. Walter, where do you think the line is? I have Cloud9 at minus 750. Okay, you get this one. Bada bing, bada boom. Almost exactly, funnily enough. Bada bing, bada boom. I said Cloud9 minus 500. I thought that Envious was going to get some credit because they've been playing everybody very close. No, no, they will not. Cloud9 minus 769. 
which puts Envious at plus 450. I want to check out three maps for that one. Because Envious has been playing everybody close. I, I, I don't I think, think it's... A, a decent... Uh, I think that is a decent kind of... Uh, long th shot. Three maps is plus 165. I like that, actually. Yeah, I'm happy to put that as one of our smart money bets. Plus 165. I'll take that. Yeah. I actually like that one. Yeah, I like the value of that quite a bit. Uh, Envious is, is too good to get too owed, not good enough to actually win the series. Um, where where else are you looking, Walter? I'm going back to FlyQuest over CLG. Okay. I, I'm happy to do that. Like the the that value one. is certainly there. I like it. I, I'm, I'm very worried about FlyQuest uh, having the... Uh, having looked at the 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 advanced metrics for it, uh, but we'll see. I, I think that certainly uh, is there it, something you like better? No, I, no. I, I think the value is certainly there. And I again, I don't see a universe in which like CLG going two and zero and FlyQuest going zero and two would be breaking the trends that we're used to seeing at this point. We need one more though, Walter. I'm looking one up right now. Yeah, I'm. I mean, we have. Uh, trying to. Trying to find. You, you did not like the CLG getting a two zero over Echo Fox. I did not. I'm more looking at TSM three maps against. Uh, FlyQuest is at plus one twenty. Okay, I'm happy to take that. I think that's pretty pretty, on on the ball. In all honesty. Yeah. We're doing a lot of uh, map bets this week, mostly because there aren't a lot of necessarily close matches. The lowest line of the week was minus one sixty four. That's there's not a lot of. Value and I'm not taking Team end. Liquid over Dignitas. Not gonna happen. Not not, gonna I'm happen. not taking Team Liquid over Dignitas. I do think that there is some value on it. Uh, Immortals plus two ten over Cloud Nine. I don't think that's. I think that happens way more often than plus two ten would indicate. But I also just kind of want to win some some bets this time around, and so I don't feel like we need to do a hail mary. Let's get some consistency. You of should our also own going. stop gambling on your team. <laughs> yeah, that that also would work out, and hopefully this podcast worked out for you guys. If you enjoyed it, you should definitely stay tuned to these spaces. Obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, just hit that subscribe button. SoundCloud.com/slash/EsportRoughDrafts. If you like the audio version, you can follow us on social media to see all of the awesome things that we're doing. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Uh, you guys could find me at TSM, 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 TSM. No, I'm at C80s underscore LOL. I kind of want you to change your handle for just tomorrow for that reason. That would be that would be uh, that would be funny. It's I, way too much work. I lose my verified check. I just oh like, yeah oh, no that's you're, not, you're far too important it. to take the risk. I understand Absolutely. that. I I am at Redshirt King. Uh, that's where you guys can stay tuned if you want to see my LCS uh, power rankings articles. Very stats stats focused. That's on lcspredict.com. I wrote a piece for Unicorn this week. I don't know if it'll be out at the time you're listening to this, but it was on the ten worst LCS teams of all time. I did a huge breakdown of each one what worked what really didn't in fact almost nothing worked and everything went horribly wrong uh and, and really evaluating how bad 
each of these things, uh, each of these teams were. If, if you're a bad movie fan or you just want to take a walk down memory lane towards some of the biggest either scandals or disappointments that League of Legends has ever had, I, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So definitely stay it's, tuned for all of that. It's uh, a doozy, folks. It's an absolute doozy of an article. I, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know when we're going to be streaming this week. Stay tuned to our, our Twitters for that. If we're going to be able to make that happen, uh, definitely stay tuned uh, next week, Wednesday, EU lines, Thursday, NA lines, just like always. And until then, bye, Internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash rough drafts pod for just a dollar a month you can join your fellow listeners in our patron only discord channel and help keep the content coming or join our vip club where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron only q a's and check us out on all of our social media twitter at rough drafts pod Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.